recorded at Get a Grip Studios in Toronto, Canada, a Get a Grip management production and in association with the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Financially supported by the good folks at the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, this is Restoring Darkness podcast. This episode of Restoring Darkness is brought to you by Evluma. If you're serious about contributing to the reduction of light pollution, go to evluma.com, hover over products, and click on Dark Sky Friendly Lighting. Both the Omnimax and Ariamax lights are International Dark Sky Association certified. The warmer color temperatures of the Omnimax reduce the more easily scattered blue wavelengths, which contribute to glare and sky glow. With Ariamax lights, you get full cutoff, which also means no uplight and a significantly reduced contribution to sky glow. And all of Avluma's outdoor lighting product lines come with dimmable drivers for even more control. If your customer is looking for dark sky friendly fixtures with energy savings while still meeting the demands of decorative lighting, look no further than Evluma. Evluma, illuminating the pursuit of dark skies. Welcome back to the Restoring Darkness podcast. On today's show, I have Georgia McMillan. As a mature student, Georgia completed a BA in outdoor education, which resulted in a dissertation on the subject of light pollution and fueled an interest in protecting and restoring our dark skies. This formed the basis of an application to be the International Dark Sky Association and the Gold Tier Accreditation of Mayo International Dark Sky Park in Ireland. Together with local community members, she worked to raise awareness of light pollution and became a founder member of the non-governmental organization Dark Sky Ireland. to facilitate engagement at all levels, from grassroots to policy. In 2021, Georgia was employed as Mayo Dark Sky Park Development Officer for the National Parks and Wildlife Service. This led to an employment-based PhD scholarship to research natural darkness as a dimension of sustainable tourism in rural communities. Her Twitter is Georgie McPorge. That's Georgie, M-A-C-P-O-R-G-E. There's also at Mayo Dark Skies, Dark Sky Ireland, and websites Mayo Dark Sky Park and darksky.ie. Oh, Mayo Dark Sky Park.ie for Ireland and darksky.ie. Georgia, welcome to the Restoring Darkness podcast. Thanks for having me. So um, I, I, I'm interested in, in just the, your, your profile here. Um, I think we're, we're, you know, we're moving away from the term dark skies. And I know that you, you said that in here, but we're, this word restoring and this word darkness is coming in, into the play. How, how broad is the darkness restoration issue or the dark skies issue for you? What does it encompass? You know, is it just wildlife? Is it just stars or is there more to it than that? Um, I, I think it's it's still very key to what we do, um, and we're still busy working away with communities here to, um, I suppose, engage with them on what darkness means, um, whilst we, at the same time, try and, try and battle uh, against the growth of light pollution. So even in a very rural space, which is where I'm at um, in Ireland, uh, you know, the growth of, of lighting is popping up all the time. So those mm-hmm. cultural issues... Um, People still want to feel that, you know, their their light outside is a, a sign of 
maybe a little bit of prosperity, you know, those kind of conversations. So mm -hmm. it, it, the message of Dark Skies is really important for us to, to carry um, still. You know, it's it's interesting. You talked about the cultural. Uh, there's also this idea of um, uh, this uh, conspicuous consumption nature to outdoor light at night. Um, in where where I live, and I live in a rural area in Ontario, and there seems to be more and more of people lighting up their driveways and awning mm -hmm. lights and and this kind of stuff, and on all night as well. Like not, yeah. you know, not just on, you know, from say seven till nine or, you know, maybe turned off at 10 o'clock. They, they leave them on the entire night long. And, uh, you know, there's yeah. a, con there's a conspicuous aspect to it. There's a, there's a, it's a Gucci suit. It's, um, it's a sign you've made it that your property is lit up all night long. And I think that's the fundamental thing we need to reverse. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's strange in the current climate that that is still quite prominent you know you think you know we are changing attitudes towards energy here we're in an energy crisis um here in the west of ireland one of the reasons i attribute it to is um our we didn't get electrification until quite late in terms of a western developed country we mm -hmm. um mayo was one of the last places in ireland to be uh, to get street lights so some of the villages that i'm working with wouldn't have had lighting until the 1960s so mid 1960s mm. some some even later um further down the the coast so i do think that is and we've also suffered a lot with immigration you know the story with ireland you know and mm. um, and the west coast in particular has suffered so we are a large county we're relatively did you mean immigration or emigration emigration away so people so are leaving the, ireland yes yes okay the, the, over the years uh, yeah, I mean, sure. obviously the the Irish immigration story is is a, is worldwide and international, and we've even made it to Canada. <laughs> so oh, my um, ancestors, yeah, I'm, my dad's I, side of my family, yeah. are all uh, refugees from Ireland. Yeah, I mean, who who doesn't have Irish links somewhere in the world? But mm -hmm. um, and that's a wonderful story. But at the same time, those that stayed here and were kind of you know in the darkness, it's that negative connotation. Mm. And what we're trying to do is. Um, I suppose flip that on its head and say, hang on a, a second, you know, what you actually have here in rural Ireland in the dark is something that the glitzy showies uh, with, you know, with all the fancy cars and lighting and everything will never mm. have. Mm -hmm. So um, what we're trying to, I suppose, persuade is those that have it to love it. And, you know, those that are, are coming, there's a lot of people starting to come to the country because it's 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 beautiful. And uh, by the country, I mean the rural um, part of Ireland, leaving mm -hmm. the city, especially in post post COVID. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've got something more to offer, I think. But with that, we're trying to persuade you know, maybe don't bring urban into rural, try and, you know, live with, you know, the natural light and natural darkness along with that, find that balance rather than bringing, you know, the the driveway lights along with it and the, yeah. you know every corner of the light is lit because that's the way it is in a an urban environment you know yeah you know it's, it's interesting I, I actually i'm canadian um and um you know when i when i know from my irish ancestors is that their story is not wonderful it's actually mm. it's ridiculously tragic and awful how mm. they got to quebec and and into canada it's they're refugees not immigrants and i think a lot of people don't don't really understand that so much, but I mean, there's 85 million of us around the world. So there's a lot of us out there and there, what is there 5 yeah. million people in Ireland or something like that? Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. 
But what about one of the yeah. things about these flows and, and, and with respect to the, the darkness preservation piece of it, but really with anything, you know, I remember when when Donald Trump got elected and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get into the politics of whether good or bad or anything like that. But I have a lot of friends in the U.S. And they would say to me, they would say to me the things like, "If Trump gets elected, I, I, I'm, I'm moving to Canada. Or if Biden gets elected, I'm moving to Canada." Mm-hmm. It's like, who said we wanted you? Actually, first of all, <laughs> like, first of yeah, all, who, yeah, you know, yeah, who, yeah, yeah. who's stating that you're welcome? Yeah. But there's this assumption that you know, when people move, they're allowed to take everything and all of their attitudes and all of their presuppositions and their ostentatiousness and their wealth with them. And in some ways it imposes in this dark sky piece, you know, people that want to bring the, their their ostentatious outdoor light with them be just because they have enough money, regardless as to yeah. the energy cost. It doesn't matter to them. Yeah. Um, they're right. just so wealthy. We need like this is an area where we could say no to that. You could say no. You know what? We don't want the that ostentatious. It's OK to have an outdoor light on while you have guests over for dinner, but we need to turn it off. Yeah, of o'clock. course. How do we get that? It's almost like, you know, it's it, there's this element of it where there's this rights trespass piece that I'm allowed to light my property up as much as I want. And I. I, I think we need to focus on the light trespass piece, that your light is actually affecting my rights. Does that make sense, yeah, Georgia? It, it does. And, it, it, you know, it's the thing that's, you know, do we have a right to darkness? People often talk about, you know, that, you know, that sidewalk maybe isn't lit. You know, we, we, you know, we have a right to it. It's like our, we lose our civil responsibilities when we go out at night because somebody else should be providing the light for us. But you know, we, we also have a right to darkness and we have a right to in, enjoy that space and, and get that. Um, well, what I, I like to, to walk at night quite a lot and I just, I, I like to just get that peace and tranquility mm. and, um, and reset that we all talk about with our biological clocks, yada, yada. Mm. But, you know, it's true. We, we, we do need that. Um, so I, I think it's, it's partly persuasion, but it's also educate it's a number of things i mean education is is big in it but it's um i think changing attitudes you need to you know it's like with the water crisis you know if somebody leaves a leaking tap on now it's frowned on and you know we've kind of but we have to do better than shame and humiliation like i'm i i don't Mm, like that you know it's like we have to be because you always and inadvertently you always end up with people that are very nasty taking the lead on that and going too far you know especially oh, no, with I'd, twitter and social media you know yeah no i'd agree with you not to do it that way but i think you know people are self-regulating in terms of you know i you know people mm. don't leave plastics sure. and they're you know it's become a full circle that people are, are educating themselves and not doing it so if we mm. could do something that just triggers that thought process you know nobody leaves a tap on anymore or nobody mm-hmm. you know not nobody but you know generally people sure. clean up after themselves and are getting that message so why not the same with lighting that you know when we look in the sky and we see sky glow we should be thinking well you know that's not right you know we, sh- we shouldn't see that we should see you know even if it's cloudy which we admittedly get a lot of here mm. you know we just want to see clouds so we want to see something natural not something artificial in our skies it's not healthy the do you think the problem is that light pollution is largely seen as a metaphor to most people and not an actual type of pollution? Um, yeah, I mean, it's partly because like, we don't have regulation, we don't have policy, um, there's no legislation here um, on it, so it's not really considered a main 
a pollutant. It's more of an even in. It's not considered a pollutant for sure by like by Environment no. Canada by the um, by the uh, the environmental uh, protection agencies in the United States. It's not considered a pollutant mm -hmm. no. um, by the Ministry of the Environment of the province I live in. But we do have um, you know various local. Um, ordinances and such which are meant to reduce light trespass but not light pollution as such um, mm -hmm. and I, I think that I think that we as a as a community we need to work towards the general population seeing light pollution as pollution in fact mm -hmm. if you go to the restoringdarkness.com website folks listening you can buy a sweater a hoodie a t-shirt that says on the back of it light pollution is pollution um, mm -hmm. And it, because it is, and it's the most easily remedied pollution of all, Georgia. The flick of a switch. Flick yeah. of a switch. Um, <laughs> so no, that's a really important thing to um, to to get across to people that it is a pollutant. But you know, who who's the most important person that needs to to know that and to um, to you know affect change as a result of that? It's not just it is our grassroots, but it's also multi layered at um, at, at government level. It's a complicated problem because um, the pre presupposition that light is safety or artificial or electric light at night is 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 um, correlated to safety even within the courts. You know, when mm -hmm. you when you have someone get injured, that you could be you your your lawsuit or your damages could go up if there wasn't adequate. I'm putting quotations for the listeners in the air. If there wasn't adequate or massively light polluting outdoor lights in the space. Um, mm -hmm. you know, people would use various regulations and codes and they'd pull out the books and say, you didn't meet the standard and people can be sued. So is it, you know, what's the first step towards this? Is it public awareness or is it regulation? Is it industry alignment? What, what do you think the, or is it all of it? I, I think it's all of it. Um, I think, you know, pe people need to take responsibility. That's another thing, you know, you, you get into a Sioux culture because, you know, we start thinking, oh, you know. That's somebody else's fault. I tripped. I, you know, went up a mountain and I got my leg caught on a fence. Well, you know, there's there's personal responsibility and risk uh, that we have to take account of. And I think um, with the darkness, you know, that's an environmental issue. That's not. It's not like somebody's created a dark space for you. That's nature. Um, you know, many times by creating um, by adding artificial light, as you know, you know, we're creating ultra dark areas that are now, you know. I think more threatening than than if we left it alone. Um, mm. one thing Explain that my, to me more. Ultra dark areas yeah, well, that are more threatening. What do, you, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Well, when when you overlight um, mm. an area, you you create like I find you know a lot of the new LEDs um, that mm -hmm. you know it's very bright in one area. Um, oh, you're talking about by contrast. Dark, the contrast. By contrast. Is, by contrast. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Well, yeah. I think we're we're failing to understand like. Fundamentally, the lighting industry needs to uh, understand how the eye works, and yeah. the 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 perception. So one of the things that I've talked about in the show, and Scott's gonna gonna start pushing a buzzer on me here or something because I've told this story a lot of times. But when you're pulled over by a police officer in a, in a car at night, okay, and they come up to your car and shine a flashlight in your window, that is an act of aggression. That prevents you from seeing who they are and whether or not they're armed or holding a gun and them being able to see everything that you're doing and what you have in your car. 
And so mm-hmm. that's the contrast we're talking about. It's And so mm-hmm. if we create these contrasts on our street and the higher the light is, the more intense the light is, the more the glare is, the greater mm-hmm. the contrasts will be. And so you can't see through that body of light into the darkness. It's even worse after. Exactly. And so if exactly. you're traveling through it in a vehicle very quickly, it's even exacerbated further. And if you're traveling through it in a vehicle quickly and you're elderly and your eyesight doesn't adjust as quickly as possible, it's even more dangerous. You're even more likely to get into an accident as you travel through that 500 lux of LED light into the darkness. Your eyes have you know, maybe you're traveling 70 kilometers an hour or 100 kilometers an hour and you can't see the road in front of you anymore. This is a very serious problem, actually, you pointed out, George. I agree with you. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think um, it's one thing that, you know, we don't we don't recognize. Let's say, for instance, one of the arguments you mentioned safety there, one of the, the arguments for women at night is, you know, let's put lots of light up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I. I, again, you know, I, I walk at night. I walk on my own as a female um, at night. I'm very exposed when I'm in an area that's overlit um, and I can't see the corridors on either side of the, the roadway I'm walking. I can see what's straight ahead of me, but I also know that I am very much on show, if you want, you know, mm-hmm. from whatever is in the black on, on either side. So to me, that you, you said it right there, you know, the lighting industry needs to, to rethink as well. And we need to know how to use light. And quite often what I find here is we don't have very much in the way of lighting design. We have lighting con- uh, contractors who will install lights um, per the box or per the specification or per a computer um, layout, but they won't really design and go and look at that environment and really see it or test it and see what it looks like after dark for the users. It's all about specification and you know, does that match what it says on the computer? Well, in reality, no. Uh, we have to get away from computer models. I, I think computer models cause us a lot of problems. Um, I know that in the light, I'm, I'm a lighting distributor. I sell lighting to factories uh, all mm-hmm. the time. The computer models are always way off. There's, there's mm-hmm. no actual re- resemblance to reality whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's, it, it's almost, a, it's only for amateurs. And, my, and, I, and people are going to call again, doesn't know what he's doing. I do light renderings all the time. And da, da, da. You, don't, you can't do light renderings for a factory that's filled with machines and racks and people. You can do a light rendering for a big open space maybe on an inside that yeah. has nothing in it. Sure, maybe you'll be within 10%. But you start putting three-dimensional machines in there and, and people and everything else and forklifts mm, and drags. You don't know what the heck. You're, those renderings are completely worthless. So, yeah, I, I think we have to get away from this. Because you know what was hilarious during the p- pandemic, you know, and I, I hate to I hate to go to the pandemic, but it's just like, you know, I have this fear in my head. You know, it's like the doctor told me to do this. The, the chief medical officer told the next one's going to be the AI told me to do this. You know what I mean? The computer, yeah. the computer yeah. told yeah. us to do this and the computer knows everything. You know what I mean? I, I just feel like that's yeah. a very difficult. I don't want to go there. Um, but, you know, so you talked about the safety and you're as a woman. And that's often oftentimes what we're, we're talking about is this male aggression on female that we're trying to prevent because, you know, you don't often hear men say things like, you know, I want street lighting because I'm scared of other men. I don't, like you never hear that mm, really. Mm, it doesn't mm. really happen. It's this male and female dynamic. And the argument is that if we shine artificial light or electric light on all the streets so that the women can walk through these streets, 
the men will think that they're protected by the light or something. And I think that's a completely false presupposition. I think they get to see how old the woman is. They get to see how vulnerable the woman is. They get to yeah, see if exactly. she's walking with another man or if she's walking yep. with another woman. They want. They get to see whether they're attracted to them, especially if they're alcohol. They're drunk. They've been drinking alcohol. Mm -hmm. They can shout mm -hmm. across the street at them. They can run after them and follow them. I'm not so sure that 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 idea that 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 electric light is an is extension of male protection of women is a is, I'm not I'm a hundred percent sure it's not true actually, and I think we need to really convince our city planners and other people that this idea that women and children are safe because electric light is shined on the paths that we walk down, um I don't I don't think that's correct, um I think there needs to be a certain amount of electric light. But I don't, I don't believe this keyhole to keyhole total uniformity is the answer. Yeah, I think we probably need more research um, to support it because you know a lot of the time we find you know there's just not enough to support, and it's a little bit like the um, the car you mentioned the cars and traveling on the roads and that you know mm. are we gonna are we seeing accidents that are not um, attributed to the lighting yet? I don't, I've not really read or found much um in in terms of you know supporting what i think causes may cause um accidents you know if you're blinded and you mm -hmm. know they say the the road um the rac in the uk um mm -hmm. they uh, uh, had a statistic saying that the human eye takes five seconds to recover from being blinded by glare well, well that's you know, that's, that's driving, that, that, that would be an average probably yeah that so would be driving, like older people <laughs> might even be longer longer than that yeah so um, i mean you know, there must be accidents um, that happen in that those five seconds a lot can happen we're told about our mobile phones we're all very aware of that not mm. to be glancing at your mobile phone well if you're blinded mm -hmm. um but we just don't i have maybe it's too soon we haven't seen the statistics or it's not reported yet because well it's no i would say i would into... say that it's even worse than that i would say yeah. that after the accident happens, the head-on collision or the driving off the road or whatever happens, the pre -sub, the idea is that we need more light. <laughs> we didn't have enough light. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, like yeah. that's what that's what the conclusion becomes. And so we have we're we're battling this straw man who who instead of saying instead of stepping back and saying, I have to prove that my more light is is good. They say, what are you talking about? You have to prove that more light isn't good. Mm. And what do you, like, the, how dare you? The more the light, the better. It's a, it's a complete straw man argument. People that, there's nobody that will come on this show and argue that with me because they're just going to deliver straw man art. They're going to say, prove to me that darkness is safer than more light. And I'm going to say to them, there's no studies. But I'm going to say, we're both in the same position. You mm. have no yeah. proof. And I have no proof. No, it's just such an easy argument for somebody to make and to convince somebody who's not aware of the issues with excess light. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. They're always going to win amongst. Uh, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an intervention that seems like it's always better to most human beings. Mm. Of course, more mm -hmm. light is equals more safety because you can see better. Mm -hmm. But that's yeah. not necessarily. We know that's not true. Um, Tell me, uh, you know, it's interesting. I'm, I, I've been thinking about eyesight therapy a lot. Okay, my my daughter has um, an issue with her eyes, and they're, I'm watching the kind of exercises they're getting her to do. 
And um, I've interviewed a lot of people in Lightning Bit, and they talk about how the eye works during the day and how you're kind of extending and closing these rods and all this kind of stuff that happens. I bet you there's a type of darkness eyesight therapy that would be helpful for people too. You know, take off the sunglasses, go for a walk during the day. But as you said, Georgia, maybe your eyesight would be improved if you went for a walk at night. Without light. If you experience you that I mean? peripheral, yes. yeah, yes. peripheral vision a little bit more and allow, I mean, it's in our, our human evolution that we have to, you know, not full night vision, but we have certainly have reasonable night vision for, for contrast and for um, shadows and constructs. So, um, yeah, I think just more, one of the things I do uh, at the moment on a weekly basis is dark sky walks. And I'm only just after Christmas now, I'm um, just getting back to it tomorrow, but we do um, weekly walks in the Dark Sky Park. And that's that's something we talk about is, you know, how long it takes for the eyesight to adjust. And so with some people it's quicker than others and how people are feeling as they walk along in the dark and, you know, what can they see? And quite often they can see more, not immediately, but they can see more than they expected to because, you know, the contrast, oh, we might have a little bit of moonlight and people forget how bright moonlight is because it's very bright actually the sky is so bright yeah it's very yeah, bright so, yeah. well this is why i don't like the term dark skies i think it's a mm -hmm. it's a misnomer you know, yeah yeah well, i suppose natural i mean i when i do quite a few community talks and in that um context i would use natural skies um but yeah. i would still bring it in so dark skies or natural skies I like the term night preservation, darkness restoration. You know, I, I, mm -hmm. the dark yeah. sky, it's like, first of all, it's like, who wants to go out into a dark sky? It's like, oh, it's dark sky. It must be evil that night. That's a, you know, whereas yeah, yeah. I just, I think that's a misnomer and causes problems in the movement. But, you know, what, the next question for you, who is the leader <laughs> of this movement? It seems very distributed. I've talked to so many people from around the world and there's people coming at it from different angles. Who is the leader um, worldwide, who is the leader of this in Ireland and what can they do better? Um, in Ireland, um, well, do you mean individuals or groups or? I mean, like right now, like, to me, this this movement lacks leadership. Um, the yeah. lighting industry is reticent to get involved um, here in North America. And, um, you know, there you were, I mean, there's a kicking and screaming aspect to mm -hmm. all of this, mm -hmm. I find, you yeah. know, yeah. and uh, they will, I, I'm, that's how I'm putting it, you know, yeah. um, uh, and, in, and, you know, like the International Dark Sky Association, I love the work they're doing. I think the mandate is beyond the scope of what they're able to do as an association. Yeah. Um, I don't think they have the resources. I don't think they have the, uh, enough people. Um, I don't think that I think that the issue is so distributed for in different areas, and they're largely an astronom astronomy society that wants to look at the stars through telescopes, um, and and that's their that's their foundation, which is why they want darkness so they can see bright skies. Really, is what what they want or what their mandate started as, and so I'm wondering who the leaders are, and if they're not there, who they should be. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. It's probably to that extent, it probably does lack leadership um, world, worldwide. I mean, Ireland um, doesn't have we did, here in Mayo. We came to, I suppose, the dark sky movement, not through astronomy. We didn't have anyone um, who was an astronomer in our group. So it was more along the lines of 
you know we, we wanted to keep what we had um mm. as naturally dark um that's only on a small scale though um ireland now we have we're forming dark sky ireland we've we've registered our ngo it's the effectively it's been a network um group for quite a while as in interested parties mostly sure. astronomers historically so you're formalizing that into a legal entity now yeah yeah so we've What's just the um so we we're just working on our strategic plan at the moment mm. um so we are um trying to raise uh, awareness through through policy and engagement at um at national level so we have different departments here so from the environment our rural and community development departments our heritage agencies so as many different agencies as we can engage with and to be fair they are uh, they are at least listening us listening to us and and uh, giving us table space um, and education wise to get in with um, other environmental groups who have comparable objectives so you know they might be restoring for instance the bogs here the the blanket bogs that we have that need to be uh, restored so where we can i suppose work with another group with similar interests then that works well we, you've heard the phrase half the park is after dark that's that's really important to us to to keep conservation going um, around the clock so you know how i see this and this is going to be um more of the um entrepreneur side so there's different kinds of people in this space okay so there's um there's uh, like uh, spiritual people, there's sort of nature biologists, people, in, you know, concerned with, um, bio, you know, bats and bees and you know, fireflies. And then there's um, astronomers, there's, um, you know, just general environmentalists that have come across this issue. Um, and there's a host of different people. But I, I think that, you know, the number one um thing that would really start this thing on fire is for the lighting industry to realize that this is the biggest single opportunity to sell a ton of light fixtures. Um, yeah, well, I agree with you there. I mean, we, we can't get, I can do as many talks as I want um, yep. on how to light, you know, don't, don't use this light, use go warm Kelvin, use shielded lights. Sure. And if my next door neighbor wants to buy a dark sky friendly light, locally, they cannot yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, they can tragedy. look at the IDAs. Yeah. The IDA's website. You go to a major manufacturing in the United know. States, they don't they don't have a dark sky section on their outdoor lighting website even. Yeah. It's it's a, it's yeah. a tragedy. But you know what oh, it is? Okay. It, it's it's the single biggest opportunity in front of the lighting industry. Yeah, it is. Bar it's none. massive. Yeah. It's massive. Yeah. Every every light fixture outside's in play. But you know what we have to do? Like you said, it's it's this idea and it goes back to your original point that you made that there's this idea that electric light at night is like a Gucci suit. That it's mm. it's like the type of conspicuous consumption a successful person engages in, you know, like that <laughs> idea, you know, it's like yeah, yeah I yeah, light up yeah. my draw long yeah. driveway as my driver drives me up the road, my lights are all on and this kind of thing, and that's okay, yeah. um, but you know, it, it, you know, I, I saw a tweet on on Twitter, or I guess a tweet would be on Twitter. I saw something on Twitter that was like, capitalism is better than communism. And it was like a satellite image of North and South Korea and light pollution was crazy mm, in yeah. South Korea and there was no you see light that pollution. Black line. In the, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's like, I yeah. would like to invert that. I, or like, yeah. I would just like to be black everywhere and that to be the sign of success. Yeah. The new sign of success is darkness at night. Yeah, um, yeah. no, you're so, you're so right. I mean, that the adverts here, our electricity board used an advert um, with um, Chris Haddington 
up in the space station looking down and you know oh isn't it beautiful to see you know every light there is a person i'm just thinking you know you're just giving the wrong message here we shouldn't yeah. see that light from space you know okay it looks pretty if you want to call it that but um we shouldn't we should see one of the things i think is a nice way of getting the point across is we should see the effect and not the source of light or, or so, no we need to we need people's disgust mechanism to start to kick in with this mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You understand mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like with I smoking, do. you know, people go outside, yes. they, they smoke, they throw their cigarette on the ground. It's like, what are you yeah. doing, buddy? Yeah, yeah. 25 That's years ago, to get up with, throwing yeah. a cigarette on the ground, everyone did yeah. it. It's right? not acceptable anymore. No. Yeah, yeah. Not acceptable. Yeah, no, that's that's the kind of thing I was trying to get at with the, I suppose, leaving the tap on. You know, we don't do it anymore. We've we've mm. come over that, that cultural shift, if you like. Um, mm. Um, I wanted to, uh, before we get into a little bit of your work, which I, 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 I do want to do want to get into, I want to throw an idea at you. And it comes from, I think I'm a new type of person in this space, okay? The dark sky space or the darkness restoration space, okay? And I'm hyper competitive. And I have like a fighting instinct in me and I like to win, okay? I enjoy that. <laughs> like if I win in a game, I like it, right? And I think that, this movement needs to start competing with climate change. It needs to look at climate change and plastics in the ocean and all these other environmental problems as competitors to us. And it's like, people, what are you talking about? How dare you look at it like that? But that's actually what it is. There's a limited amount of funds, okay? And we should be able to go and say to government agencies and say to the lighting industry and say to these industry bodies that, you know, ivory tower folks that like to cloak themselves and the, the, all the, the accolades of environmentalism and speak down to the people, mm -hmm. you know, the kinds of people I'm talking mm -hmm. about, right? Mm -hmm. We're going mm -hmm. to change, you know, all the people out there, we're going to change them over to environmental friendliness and we're going to help the little people. Listen, if, you, if we take the lighting industry, Georgia, and we say, listen, lighting industry, your only goal is to restore darkness. That's it. So, oh, what do you mean? That's all we want you to do as a society and as, a, as Western countries or as the world or whatever it is. Restore our darkness for us. You'll get the energy savings. You'll get the um, lighting controls piece. You'll get the circadian, all the other things that the lighting industry talks about. And I think our issue is the most visible, easily solvable environmental mm -hmm. problem humans can address right now today and the fact that we're ignoring it and focusing on problems that are largely not solvable today is a tragedy it's a tragedy i agree i agree you're right i think um rather than i wouldn't necessarily say it's one is more i'm not competitive so i wouldn't necessarily <laughs> say one is more important than the other but i think where you, you're so right is it's the holistic message that we have that can solve a number of things so you know, when people go and talk about uh, climate action and energy saving and they think, oh, yeah, let's use lights that are more energy efficient. And of course, you know, they end up using twice the number of them and not saving energy. But at the same time, they're damaging the ecosystems and or the um, habitat and invertebrates there. So what we have is a message that that covers a bit of energy, a bit of biodiversity, culture, you know, 
and, and so on. It, 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 it's the holistic picture that we have the solution for, not just one element of some of the sustainable issues that are going on in today's world. We but here's have a my mechanism that covers all. Here's why I like the competitive piece. This is why I think there's different, there's roles for each person in it, right? You understand what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And my competitive side is like, there's a limited amount of funds available for environmental projects, okay? And your project is saying that you're gonna save a whole bunch of energy. Now we tried that in the lighting industry and you know what happened? We saved a whole bunch of energy, but we created a ton of light pollution. Yeah, okay, yeah. because we had the yeah. wrong goal and we landed yeah. squarely in Jevon's paradox, which is that the more, the cheaper something becomes, the more of it we use. Mm -hmm. And so we had the wrong goal. And what I'm saying is that you climate change people, what's your goal? Like, I mean, people are like, well, aren't we all climate change people? Well, hang on a second here. Let's look at the issue. If you give us one-tenth or 20% of all the money that you're about to blow on things that you're not sure are going to work, okay? Yeah. Because it's research and development, and we're going to try to make fission happen, and then we're putting the windmills all over Ireland and all this stuff. Just give us 20% of it, and we'll return to you a ton of energy savings. And we'll return to you a ton of biodiversity and we'll return. We know this will work for sure. So let's yeah. do the, this the darkness restoration is the low hanging fruit of climate it change. Is, yeah, yeah. Everything else is way more complicated than us. But they're, you know, the wind energy guys, the nuclear fission guys, the electric vehicle guys, they're crowding out us when our proposition is far more valuable to uh, Ireland, Canada, and the world, and sublime, and spirituality, and everything else. And I think we need to fight for that. And uh, there's not enough yeah. fighters in this movement. Yeah. What That's are we what doing saying. wrong, though? Is that is that what it is? You think there's not, yeah. Well, no, we're, pl we're playing second uh, fiddle to people that, yeah. have no, that have no idea what they're doing. Like, I'm being honest with you here. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, we're going to, you know, we need to reduce our energy consumption by 50%. Okay, well, make a mandate and see what happens. And it's like, well, hang on a second here. Instead of making that mandate and building wind turbines everywhere and, you know, putting solar panels on everybody's roof and hoping for the best, why yeah. don't we do this? This beautiful, wonderful gift that is returns on so many different levels for human beings and for biodiversity and for the earth and for energy savings and for for and for beauty and for sanctity and like there's just so it operates on yeah, so many different yeah, levels yeah. like nothing's yeah. uglier than a big windmill in mayo county ireland no <laughs> we have enough of them <laughs> yeah i know you know so i there i went i went i went I on a little you. rant there. i hear you so uh tell me a little bit about um the application that you made uh for the dark sky park and you know how that went and how long it took yeah uh yep that was um i have to think back now that was uh when we were 20 2014 i was studying and i came across um galloway forest park in scotland mm -hmm. um and um so we started to talk to other groups here my mother's uh, you might have picked up on my accent i'm a londoner originally mm -hmm. um and I um, have been living here for, well, I don't know, quite a while anyway, in Ireland, 30 odd years, but in Mayo, about half that. 
Um, my mother, however, is from the west of Ireland and moved to London. So she had a very different experience from me going from darkness to the light in London. And I had the reverse. Um, so what I was aware of when I started talking to people here is that, you know, that thing I mentioned earlier that, you know, there's think social changes have happened here and people value um, the representative light that they had uh, when we when we got um, electric light in uh, this area. So talking to them about turning the lights off um, was a, a bit of a struggle initially, but we had some very good um, local community people here from different communities, not just one, um, and a very good national parks team to work with. So we formed a group, Friends of Mayo Dark Skies, um, started uh, taking measurements and putting in the application. So that, I mean, you probably had this conversation numerous times, but you know, it takes about two years to get um, a dark sky application together off to the um, Dark Sky Association. And they were great, supported us. And um, yeah, we got a gold tier in 2016. Mm. And since then we have been, I suppose, what, I, I have to stress with, with those applications, that's really the beginning of the story. Mm. Um, you know, you must never work towards Dark Sky accreditation as the end goal, because that's only the start of it. And that's really important. That's the first thing I'd say to any group you know, forget the accreditation. The most important thing is what are you going to do with it after you have it and how are you going to work with it and how, what are you going to make, you know, you have to keep um, working on getting dark skies and expanding dark skies and keeping them dark and educating people in urban areas about dark skies. It's not just where we are. Yeah, we like, listen, we haven't even stopped the increase of light pollution. I mean, no. th like th this is where, you know, the the entire environmental movement, like when I look at it and again, like I'm a I'm a I'm not a uh, I don't know, like a go along to get along guy. I do podcasts. A lot of people listen to them because I point these kinds of things out and they may not like it, but they know perhaps I wouldn't say it's right, but they know it's an interesting point often. Like, let's think about what the, what he said, like. The carbon emission people, like, okay, show before you start saying we're going to reduce by 2050, why don't you show me you can stop increasing? Yeah. Like, you understand what I mean? Like, in Canada, just, yeah, it, yeah. it just keeps yeah. going like this, right? And so you have the government coming, we have this climate change goal by 2030, we're going to do this. And then next portfolio comes along, and we're building 550,000 new homes in Ontario in the next 10 years. Yeah. And like, yeah. what are you talking about? Like, are you crazy? You can't put enough LEDs in those homes fast enough. Like, we have changed every single light in Ontario to LED, and the and the it made it's like it made no blip on the increase in carbon emissions in the province. Nothing. It just kept wow. going, yeah. right? And you know what? Ontario is all nuclear and hydroelectricity, basically eighty five percent. And so we're not we're not burning very much coal You're or not natural fossil gas. Fuel, yeah. No, I mean, but we still keep it. We we already have the nuclear power plants in the dams. And we can't mm, stop going still up. Doing, yeah, yeah. Like what by yeah, your that's own measurement. It is a yeah. sobering thought. Like you're gonna tell me you're gonna you're gonna jam all these windmills. We have thousands of windmills in Ontario. We got solar panels everywhere. We got the, some of the best nuclear power plants in the world. We got Niagara Falls to produce electricity for us. There's not a lot of Niagara Falls in the world that might be no. the only one actually. You know, there's another one in Africa, I think, in the Congo or something like that, right? And we can't stop. And so, and then they want to, yeah, we're going to build 500,000 new homes and Canada is accepting 500,000 immigrants in the next year. 
Oh, and you're going to reduce your carbon emissions, are you? Hmm, that seems pretty impossible to me, actually. What you're talking about, it seems completely unachievable and unrealistic, which is why your goal is 50 years from now or 20 years from now. So you'll be long gone and out of power and it'll be someone else's problem. Whereas right now, we can solve the darkness issue and it will contribute to your climate change goals. Like I said, it will operate on so many different levels. Um, Can you believe we've talked for almost 45 minutes? I can't believe that. Wow. No, I can't. Time went by like that. Um, (laughs) Tell me a little bit about um, the Wildlife Service. So you have the parks and the Wildlife Service and that, and it's Ireland, so it's not like Canada where you have these vast uninhabited regions. So there's people living there. Are the people living in the area, have you you got them on board or do they still need to be convinced? Yeah, I mean, it's not like the UK um, national parks where people are not living in the national park. It's state-owned. But by uh, size-wise, it's it's small. Um, so our national park here is um, fifteen thousand hectares, and so it's like a I don't know what that is, one hundred and fifty um, square kilometers if you go do a loop around it. Um, so it's it's from Irish point of view, we have um, it's mountainous, but again by our standards, they're they're mm-hmm. they're not that um, that high, but it's mountainous and it, it's covered in Atlantic blanket bog, which is you know, one of our carbon sink, effectively, it's our rainforest. Um, so we need to preserve that. Um, the people live around the outside in uh, either towns or villages. So I live in one of them nearby, uh, which is Newport. And as an example, Newport is very much on board um, with the dark sky and the national park movement, because we, we like to think of ourselves as a gateway mm-hmm. to the dark sky park. Um, the community um, started up a festival um 2016 the dark sky festival and that has been one of the key calendar events um of the year it happens in november and if you think about our weather conditions it's cold it's windy um when we do have it can be cloudy but when we do have dark skies it's absolutely beautiful mm-hmm. um, but even if we don't we have multifaceted themes it's not all about astronomy we have um we had a last year we had a woman um who spoke about rowing the Atlantic single-handedly, she was Ireland's first solo rower. Um, so she spoke about her journey and what she saw in midway through the Atlantic in the night sky. Um, other people talk about light pollution. We've had Kevin Gaston, we've um, Kerry Masferulu, the who I know you've um, had not that long ago, talking about lighting design, and he's done some amazing projects um, with us. So we're getting the community to work with lighting design and with the National Park um, goals and objectives. How many hectares Sorry. did you say the park is? 15,000. Okay. So, yeah, that's interesting. I just was doing some research. So Ireland is 6.9 million hectares. I was just looking at it on the... On the uh, oh, right. Uh, okay. There you go. So 15,000, you said? <laughs> yeah, so a, a yeah. medium-sized park in Ontario is 30, 37,000 hectares. And okay. I don't know if it's a dark sky park or not. And then the big one, Algonquin Park, is 765,000 hectares. So yeah, that's you see, like we don't one, have one tenth yeah. the size of Ireland. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. That's, it's interesting. This I always say this, like, you know, Europeans don't have geography. Canada does. Canada doesn't have history. Europeans do. You know, it's kind of, well, I mean, First Nations mm-hmm. people aside, love my brothers and sisters that are First Nations. Yes. But it's very short time frames. And but, you know, Canada's got a lot of geography and wilderness, though. That's for sure. Yeah, um, absolutely. 
any final thoughts? George, it's been such a wonderful pleasure to, to chat with you. Yeah, and I feel like likewise. I talked a little bit too much, but you, you flicked some switches on my back that kind of got me passionate. <laughs> any final oh, thoughts great. for the listeners? Yeah. Um, can you come visit to, <laughs> to explain a few of these concepts? So I think you know what? it's I, always I, great to have different voices. I've been to Ireland three times and I studied at Queen's Belfast in, in Belfast for oh, a year. Okay, right. Yeah, so I'm quite familiar. And I did a, I hitchhiked all over the island and I love the west coast of Ireland from, um, mm. is it uh, Cork in the south to Donegal mm. in the north? Yeah, and then yeah, in the middle exactly. there is uh, Limerick is kind of halfway between the yeah. two. Galway, yeah. yeah. So you uh, did Galway, the, what's yeah. the, wild, the Wild Atlantic Way. When did you hike? Was that a while ago or? Oh, now we're showing I'm pretty old. So you're going back. Uh, that would have been 99, 1999. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In the last um, 10 years, we've had what's um, known as the Wild Atlantic Way, which is it's a route that's always been there, but it connects Donegal with Cork. And it's a route that people either drive, cycle, um, they, don't, they don't walk it, but it's the coastal route and it's absolutely mm. beautiful. And we are on the Wild Atlantic Way in County Mayo, so north, north of Galway. Come and visit us, I would say, is our, and I, we can show you our very minor sized, uh, but very beautiful and um, enjoyable and hospitable um, Dark Sky Park. Yes, I, I would love to come. And, you know, I'm taking that seriously, by the way. So, uh, you know, I might actually come. <laughs> That's not out of the question. I'd love to, well, we I'd love to go say, back. You know, Ireland, we don't say it unless we mean it. So, um, yeah. yeah. So I've been to the Giants Causeway three times. Okay. Because okay. I went on a rugby tour of Ireland when I, in 1995, and we went to the Giants Causeway. Then my sister came to Ireland when, when I was uh, in school there, and I went to the Giants Causeway. And then my school took me to the Giants Causeway. And every time I went to the Giants Causeway, I said, I'm never coming here again. Why would I ever come back here? I saw it once, but I keep ending up coming back to Ireland for some reason. So it looks like I have another reason to go to County Mayo and meet the Brilliant. wonderful folks that are managing the Mayo Dark Sky Park. And you can check that out, folks, online. You can go to mayo-darkskypark.ie. And for you, yeah, it's mayo, like mayonnaise, M-A-Y-O, <laughs> darkskypark.ie for Ireland. You can go to darkskye to learn more about Georgia and her, and her colleagues and her work. And then, of course, uh, on Twitter, she's Georgie McPorge. That's Georgie, M-A-C-P-O-R-G-E. Um, and then that's on Instagram as well. And the same, there's another handle on, on, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, and that is Mayo Dark Skies. And then, of course, there's Dark Sky Ireland. And if you made it to the end, you know I love all you people out there. Like, let's, let's move this issue forward. And you know what? We need fighters. But we also need people that are like Georgia, like they're much nicer than me. But we need everybody to be part of this movement, the entire human race. And this is the issue of the 21st century. So... Let's do it. Or this is the 22nd. Yeah, 20. Anyway, we got 100 years to get this done, folks. And I hopefully I'm not dead before we see serious progress. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Look no further for dark sky friendly products than Evluma. Since its first product launch, Evluma has carried one or more International Dark Sky Association certified models. If your customer cares about light pollution, suggest the Omnimax with shielding or the Area Max with full cutoff to reduce uplight and glare. Evluma, illuminating the pursuit of darkness.